Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. So I'm holding in my hand the greatest gaming system of all time. This is an NES, it's a replica of the original NES, and on this are 30 classic Nintendo games. And so I sound like the classic 90s kid, don't I? My favorite game on this is Super Mario Brothers. Now, there's one reason why this is the greatest gaming system. And I know that you're gonna push back. I know that you're gonna say, wait a second, there are gaming systems today that process better, that have better gameplay, better graphics, even better games. And you might be right, but here's why I'm convinced this is the greatest gaming system. Because of this tiny little button here in the front. And if you're listening to this, I'm pointing to the reset button. Because when you hit this button, every mistake you've made goes away. When you get hit by a Goomba because you're Mario trying to save the princess, you can just hit the reset button and everything starts over. That's why I love this gaming system. And today when you mess up, you have to hit a button and then exit and then confirm your exit and then you have to wait for it to process and that just takes way too long for this impatient person. That's why I love the reset button. And it got me thinking, like what if in life you and I had a reset button? What if in life we could do it all over again. We could start fresh, we could just hit a button and we could redo that moment where we said the thing that we didn't wanna say or we participated in that action that we didn't wanna participate in. What if we could go back and we could do it all over again? Not the good moments, although those would be moments that would be great to do all over again. But I'm talking about those moments where you caused pain or maybe pain was caused upon you. I think a lot of us have moments that we can go back to and we would love to redo. We would love to hit the reset button. We would love to have a fresh start. I think a lot of us live with our past influencing our present. And, and here's how I know. Just listen to our language. We often say, I, I should have done this, or I should have been there, or I should have said that, right? And what I've learned in my life, and perhaps you've learned this too, is that should in your past always shows up as shame in your present. Should always shows up as shame. And shame is kind of like the aftershock of a really terrible decision. Shame is what we experience after we did something that we wish that we did or said something that we wish that we didn't say. And then we find ourselves wishing that we could go back and change it again. Like, could we hit the reset button? Maybe you've said to yourself, I wish I didn't quit. I wish I didn't get angry. I wish I didn't get sad. I wish I didn't isolate. I wish I didn't say that. I wish I didn't do that. I've noticed in my life that my past holds a lot of present headspace. That my past tries to predict my present and dictate my future. Are you with me? Which is why I think today you and I should just say to our past, I'm over it. I'm over you and I'm over it, I'm fed up with it. I'm done with allowing my past to show up in my present and how it actually shapes and influences the future that I'm trying to build. I'm done living life in reverse. How many of you 
look at life by looking over your shoulder instead of looking forward? Like, what if today we said, we're done with it, we're over it? We're in this conversation and we've been in it for the last couple of weeks and it's called Over It. And we've been talking about the things, the circumstances, the issues, even the sins that we're over. And if you're watching or listening for the first time, my name is Mike, I'm glad that you're with us. But I just wanna be honest with you. Like I'm over my past showing up in my present. And with the privilege that I have of being your friend and being your pastor, I'm over your past showing up as shame in your present. And so what if we decided to do something about it? Here's what we've learned the last couple of weeks. We've learned that just because we're over things, it doesn't mean that we don't have to face them, right? Just because we're fed up with it doesn't mean it just goes away. And so what if today we decided to take some real, tangible, hopeful, helpful, and perhaps even holy steps to moving past our past, to say to our past, I'm over you and I don't want it to continue to dictate and determine who I am today and where I'm going. What if together we decided like, let's take some steps to find the most hopeful and holy way forward. This is why I love the Bible, by the way. Like I'm a Bible nerd, full disclosure, all right? And I love the stories of the scriptures, these true stories in history. I love these stories because it was real people who were really pursuing God and they were wanting to live a life that honored God. And they dealt with a lot of the things that we dealt with. It's a part of our human story, right? One of the letters in the Bible is Philippians, and we've been spending some time in this letter the last few weeks. And it's a letter to church people, to people that are intrigued by Jesus, that are interested in Jesus, even following Jesus. And in this letter, the author, Paul, writes about some of the things that we're wrestling with today. And he's writing from prison. And so he has really nothing to do, which is why he writes down some really powerful things. In fact, he writes about hope and he writes about joy. And what we're about to jump into today together is Paul writing about his past. And he writes about how he's moving past his past. And it's a lot. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like there's a lot of words. There's a lot of powerful words. There's a lot of religious words. And so if we read it all together, it would be like drinking from a fire hose. Like get that picture in your mind for a second, right? Like it would be like drinking from a fire hose and it would be a lot. And so what I want to do is I wanna walk through it bit by bit. Like we'll drink it in together, but slowly. Because in it, what Paul writes about is powerful. He gives us three steps that you and I can take to move past our past. To look at our past and say, I'm over you trying to show up in my present. So what I wanna do is spend some time in Philippians chapter three, and we'll start in verse five. And so if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app on your phone, I wanna invite you to follow along and also the verses will be on the screen. And as you're turning there, can I just give you one note before we dive in? What Paul is writing is a response to the person of Jesus and the redemptive work of Jesus. What Paul is not writing is three ways to get your best life now. <laughs> what Paul is not writing is three steps to be a better person. What Paul is writing is this, I can only do this because of what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection. We talked about it last week, but earlier in this letter of Philippians, Paul says these words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So all of this is because of what Jesus has accomplished. And here's what I love about what he says. This isn't just a reset. This isn't just a do-over. 
This is actually us stepping into a better story and building a better future. So let's read a bit of this together and we'll talk about the three steps of moving past our past. And then at the end, I want to give you a phrase that's influenced by the words of Jesus. Okay, so Philippians chapter three, starting in verse five, it reads this way. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. So he's given us his family tree. Notice like he's given us a lot of detail because he's sitting in prison, nothing to do. And he's writing about getting past his past. So he gives us some history of who he is. And then he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day after my birth and was raised in the the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. They felt like they were honorable people if they separated from all the heathens, all the sinners. And a Pharisee was like a religious pastor or leader during that time. And then he says in verse six, and concerning the righteousness of the Torah, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they would memorize the Torah cover to cover, front to back. And he said, I knew this and I followed the Torah. He said, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of truth, I persecuted the Masonic believers with religious zeal. In other words, what he said here is, I was a religious jerk, especially to the followers of Jesus. And he's not a follower of Jesus at this point. He's just writing about his past and saying that I wasn't. And I was a jerk to those that follow Jesus because I thought, this is Paul, I thought that Jesus was violating and dishonoring God until I met him. And then he says, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, good and bad, I have now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. So Paul gives us a bit of his past and some nuggets about some of the decisions he made. And he makes his first point and invites us into the first step of getting past our past, moving past our past. And here it is. He said, in order to move past your past, you've got to return to the past. Notice Paul goes back and begins to just talk about what he's been through and what he said and what he did. And then he invites you to do the same thing. And I know going back to the past is scary because if you're going back to those moments that are messy, you have to remember the mess and you have to remember how you maybe caused the mess. And what I've learned in my life, and maybe this is true of your life, is that it's easier to repress the past than it is to return to the past, right? All good Christians like to sweep the dirt under the rug. All good people like to just say, ah, that's in the past. Let's just move forward. You know what they're saying? Let's not talk about it. It's too hard, too heavy, too messy. But Paul goes, no, let's, no, let's talk about it. And he says, I've been there. I've done that. And if you want to find healing, the first step in healing is trusting in God and returning to your past and acknowledging your history. Perhaps, perhaps Paul's like you and I, like he's trying to do some good things and along the way he does. And then he has moments where he does some not so good things. He's trying to do right things, but things got messy along the way. In what we just read, it's kind of like Paul is saying, listen, there were moments where maybe I was harsh. Maybe I was judgmental, unkind. I was dismissive. I know I was self-righteous and what he learned and what I'm learning and maybe what you're you're learning is that self-righteous people are rarely self-aware. They don't 
They're not aware of themselves or aware of their language or aware of their posture. And Paul's like, I was there. And then he continues. It's like he's processing out loud. Let me remind you of what he says in verse seven. He says, yet all of these accomplishments, good and bad, that I once took credit for, I now have forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as Lord. In other words, I'm not going to get to the better story and build a better future without the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus. I'm delighted to know that he loves me and he has given me grace and space and forgiveness and freedom. And then he says in verse eight, to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all of my boasting on the garbage heap. Everything that I even accomplished, not just the bad things, but even the good things, I'm throwing it on the garbage heap. It's like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Paul says, man, I I want Jesus to be Lord. And and so if I'm gonna move past my past and I'm gonna trust Jesus right now and the story he's writing for me right now and for the future, I gotta return to the past and there's some things that I gotta do. I gotta go back to the past and I gotta confess some things. And confession is literally just owning your slice of the pie. It's you saying, listen, I I messed this up. And so I'm going to confess that. I'm going to announce that. I'm going to apologize for it. But not just confessing, but actually repenting of it. Like repentance, repentance is powerful. Because repentance has you and your words living it out in action. Like repentance shows that you are actually sorry for what you've done. Like you're going to make it right. And then he says, and then I find forgiveness when I do that. I find healing. And here's why this is tough. Because confession and repentance and forgiveness takes humility. There's a classic song from the early 2000s. And I can't believe I just said a classic song from the early 2000s, right? It feels like it was just yesterday, but it's been almost 20 years. But there's a classic song from the early 2000s by the artist Flo Rida, all right? Now, I know you're impressed that I even know that, all right? And he sings a song about dancing and he talks about like apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur. And I don't know what he's talking about there. Maybe you do so we could talk later. But in the song, he talks about getting low, 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 low. Now, I may have just lost all respect and dignity in that moment. But I want you to understand when we talk about humility, humility is literally getting low. It's running to the back of the line. Humility is recognizing that ego and pride cannot stay. James, the brother of Jesus, put it this way. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And do you know how you humble yourself before the Lord? You humble yourself before men and women. People that you love and are learning to love. And so confession and repentance sounds a bit like this. I am so sorry for what I said or what I did. I was so wrong for the way that I acted. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. That's what confession and repentance look like. It's that kind of low. It's that kind of humility. And and if we want to move past our past, Paul says, you got to return to the past and acknowledge your slice of the pie and get low, live in humility. That's the first step. Then he gives us the second step. And the second step is this. In order to get past the past, you've got to redeem the present. In other words, 
The best way to get past your past is to embrace what God is doing in you and through you today. It's choosing to live a life that is saying, God, I'm looking to you instead of living a life tied up in knots. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about tied up in knots? Like, I'm not gonna be like my dad. I'm not gonna be like my mom. I'm not gonna have a marriage like that. I'm not gonna parent like that. I'm not gonna employ people like that. I'm not gonna treat people like that. When we live life in knots, we are actually living life with our head on a swivel. We're living life in reverse and we're not embracing what Jesus is doing in our life today. We're just trying to run from what it is that we are not wanting to be. But when we redeem the present, we are trusting that God is doing a good work in us and we're not dismissing ourselves from that. Like maybe you've said, I'm not gonna go to church because of what I've done and I don't think I can walk in church or watch church or listen to church and you've convinced yourself that you have been eliminated from the work of God. Well, friend, Paul says, that's garbage. He writes it this way, like my passion is to be consumed with Jesus and not cling to my own righteousness. I'm gonna be consumed with what God is offering because he sent his son. And I'm not gonna cling to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. My only righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. Now, righteousness is a churchy word. It's a theological word. It's a doctrinal word. Here's what righteousness means. It's you being made right, not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that God has done through Jesus Christ for you. It's you getting into right standing with God. You've been brought to God, not because you were impressive to God or you said the right thing or did the right thing or read all the Bible. It's because Jesus died and rose again and he chose to love you and bring you close when you trust in him. Righteousness gives you the ability and the strength to trust and obey Jesus. That's what righteousness does. It gives you the opportunity to actually live the life that God is creating for you to live right now. Instead of running from the knots, you're running to the Lord of all creation who invites you to make him Lord of your life. And listen, we will repeat our past mistakes if we don't rely on the faithfulness of God today. And the faithfulness of God is this, that God has, that God is, and that God will do everything that he has promised. And so when we find ourselves in moments where the past is showing up again, or we repeat the mistakes of the past, we remind ourselves to embrace what God is doing in us right now, that forgiveness is always offered to us, no matter how far we've been from God or how long we've been away from God, or no matter how long we've been following Jesus, because some Christians need to hear the gospel again, friends, and they need to know about the cross and the resurrection. And this is the invitation that Paul is giving us, like let's redeem the present by embracing what God is doing in us and through us. The common denominator in your past, your present and your future is you. And you get to decide who it is that you're going to live for. You're gonna live for you, you're gonna live for them, or are you gonna live for the one who actually has rescued and saved you and has brought reconciliation and redemption? Redemption's only possible with Jesus, by the way. Like full, complete redemption is only possible with Jesus. Only he can heal, only he can forgive, only he can set free. Grace is found in him, peace is found in him, salvation is found in him, eternal life is found in him, and he is the only one that can get you out of the shame narrative because Jesus loves the shame off of you. So often we live in this narrative of I'm not worthy, I'm disqualified, and Jesus comes and says, no, no, no. This is why the cross and the resurrection are so powerful. God in the flesh has died and has resurrected for you. You wanna get past your past? 
You got to redeem the present by embracing what God is doing in you right now. Third step, final step, probably the most important and maybe the most powerful. In order to get past your past, you believe the resurrection power of Jesus. Here's how Paul put it. He said this in verse 10, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. He's talking about surrender and submission here. And then he says, only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in the resurrection from the realm of the dead. This is where better stories are found. And then in verse 12, he says, I admit that I haven't acquired it, the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. Like Jesus invites you to surrender. Jesus invites you to submit. Jesus invites you to depend upon him because Jesus is the one that changes lives. He's the one that changed my life and he changes your life. He changed the world through the resurrection. Jesus has the power to take a story full of shame and give it a new name. Jesus has the power to take a story filled with sin and he gives that story a new narrative of freedom. Jesus has the power to take a story everyone said was lost and gives that story a new chapter called found. Here's what the resurrection sounds like when you believe in it and you're trusting in Jesus. The resurrection in you sounds like this. I'm taking my story back from the enemy and I may not be there yet but I'm coming. And that's what Jesus does in us. It causes us to look to him, not just to him, but to the future that he is building for you and for me. Friends, this is why we tell our better stories. We live them and we speak them. This is why we do what we do at Active. It's why we believe you can tell a better story. It's why we invite, because part of that invitation is saying, man, God has been so good to me and I know he's gonna be good to you. This is the invitation that Paul gives all of us. And he speaks about his better story. Listen to what he says in verse 13. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus, forgetting all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I love that language. Verse 14, he says, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. You know, our sin and our our shame actually began with the first humans by a tree. That shame narrative began when Adam and Eve in the Genesis poem, true story at the beginning of the Bible, decided to violate God's command in God's way. And because of that decision, they experienced shame. And it, it started at a tree. But God was not going to allow it to stay. And we find freedom and redemption and reconciliation. And we find salvation. We find redemption. We find all of the things that we need for life and godliness at the tree called the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where we are covered over. That's where atonement happens, friends. That's where you and I can recognize that the resurrection has changed the world and it's changed our world. And it was on that cross that Jesus said three powerful words about your story, my story, about your past and my past. He said three words. He said, it is finished. No longer does it have to show up in your present unless you decide to allow it to show up. 
No longer does your past have to predict your future unless you decide to allow it to predict your future. No longer do you have to know or feel or experience that you've been dismissed because you haven't because, friends, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. It is finished. And this is the invitation of Jesus and this is the invitation of Paul. Like it's time to move past our past, not ignore it, not tell people that we've hurt to get over it, but it's time for us to get past our past by returning and owning and repenting and seeking forgiveness. It's time to get past our past by redeeming the present, embracing what God is doing in us right now. It's time to get past our past by believing in the power of the resurrection, friends. I told you I want to give you a phrase that was influenced by Jesus on the cross. And here's the phrase that I want you to carry when you find yourself wrestling with past things that God has set you free from that are trying to show up again in your present and influence and shape your future. And here's the phrase I want to give you. When those things show up, remind those things that it is finished. So may it be finished in me. When that shame shows up, remind shame it is finished. So may it be finished in me. When that addiction shows up, remind that addiction, it is finished, so may it be finished in me. Remind that sin, when that sin shows up, it is finished, so may it be finished in me. Friends, this is why we trust in Jesus. This is why we call him Lord. This is why Paul says these aren't three steps for a better life, but this is why Paul says you can have a better story when you trust in Jesus. And here are some steps that you can take because Jesus has set you free. It is finished, so may it be finished in me. And if you want to put some action to these words, I want to invite you to choose to get baptized in just two weeks at Act. You can decide to go public with the private work of God, the personal work of God in you. And baptism isn't about your perfection. It's about your dependence on God. You need Jesus. You don't need a philosophy. You don't need a religion. You don't need spirituality. You need Jesus. He's the one that changes lives. And he's the one that moves you from your past into your present. And he writes the story for your better future. It is finished, friends. So may it be finished in us. And I want to invite you to choose to get baptized by texting baptism to the number on the screen. This decision is one we want to celebrate with you and set you up to really win in. And so I want to invite you to text baptism to the number on the screen. Let's move past our past. Let's return and redeem and believe in the power of the resurrection because it is finished. So may it be finished in me and may it be finished in you. Let me pray for you. And so Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And thank you for his redemptive work on the cross. And thank you for the freedom that's found in the resurrection. And thank you that we can take steps to move past the things that we have messed up, the things that have brought shame and embarrassment and regret and guilt. And thank you that you are such a good God to us, that you invite us, not force us, but invite us to trust in Jesus and to have a relationship with you. And so I pray for those watching and listening that they would say yes to you if they haven't. And for those that are watching and listening, that they, if they have said yes, they would return to you and recognize that your salvation is still a gift that they can receive even today. We thank you for being such a good God and for sending Jesus Christ to save us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. 
We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.